out of Acts chapter 4, in verse 32, we read these words. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. In the book of Acts, we see that what the first century Christianity was all about. We know what the early church taught. We know not only what they taught, but how they worshiped and how they won souls for the glory of God. But not only do we see those things, we see also how they were committed, and the key word there being committed to being one in the cause of Christ. Despite being a group of several thousand people, you remember back in Acts chapter 2, it says about 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. But being a group of several thousand people, Luke describes the saints in Jerusalem, one heart and soul. That language indicates that there was a remarkable sense of unity. And not only unity was there there in that church, there was a closeness in this church. <clears throat> they were not cold toward one another. They were not distant and indifferent towards one another in any way. And this morning we could say what a wonderful description of the Lord's church. This morning, I love the church of Christ. I love her members. I love the members of the body of Christ. Acts 4 and verse 4 references that there about 5,000 men. Now notice there specifically it says 5,000 men, not counting women and children that made up this congregation of people. There possibly could have been uh, at least 15,000, we could say. And it was a big church. <clears throat> and sometimes we say we can't feel comfortable in a big church. Well, I guess each to his own. But even though this was a large body of Christians, they remain united. One heart and soul. 
they show this language that Luke uses to describe the church shows and tells that they had love for one another. And they were united and they had fellowship and everything in their worship and the items of worship and of singing and praying and, and, and the, the, the doctrine being taught. The Lord's Supper and their giving and, and all the things that make up worship. They were united and they had fellowship with one another. But I guess the question this morning that we're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so talking about, how did they become this way? Something that I want us to think about this morning, how did they become this way? And how can we become better in this way here in our congregation? Now we have love, we have unity here. We do fellowship one another in common meals and, and uh, around the Lord's Day, uh, the breaking of bread. But how can we do that better? And the question again goes back, how did this church, this early church in Acts chapter 2 that was instituted and put into place in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, how did they become that way and stay that way? I want to suggest to you this morning four things. Number one, being they had devotion to the Lord. Not a particular group. Not just a few. Not just uh, those who, who felt like that, that they needed to do it, uh, this and this and this and and all these things. Because if you go back and you look at the early church, they, they, were, they were in gathering and, and studying and everything every day. They would think we were crazy for just having it. They would think we'd be very lax for just having it the times we do today. But they were devoted. They had a total devotion to the Lord. Now when you go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 we see the pinnacle of Peter's sermon here. He's already talked about prophecy. He's already talked about he is the Christ. He's, he's going to tell them that, he, that they murdered the Christ, the Messiah. And this was the main message that Peter emphasized in this sermon in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. It was the pinnacle, if you will, the highlight, the, the very climax of his sermon, when he told them there in verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. That was the climax. It was the main message. Peter's sermon convicted people, if you will. Because in, the, in the, uh, the following verses, now in verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. 
They basically said, we messed up. But what does that mean in verse 36? No, assuredly, Jesus is the Christ. This means that he is the Messiah. This verse is telling us that he is the Savior. Peter was wanting the people to know that. He was the Savior that was sent into the world to pay the penalty for sin. And he had convinced those people that he was Jesus. That he was the Lord. You see, when we see Jesus is the Lord, we have to recognize that this means he has supreme authority. He has rule and he has power. He is the one that we should submit ourselves to in every aspect of our lives. And when you go to the book of Matthew in chapter 28, we read these words to ourselves in the Bible. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 18 that Jesus came and spake unto them saying, what? All power, all power or authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You see, he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He was set apart if you will. He was set apart to pay the penalty for sin, to be given for mankind's sins, and Peter convinced him of that. He was the king. He was the master, if you will. And all peoples from that point on and prior were to submit to his Authority and rule and power. As the king of all kings, people were to submit. And these people did. You see, this fact this morning makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Most people want the Messiah, but not the Lord. Most people want Jesus, but not the one who has the right to tell them what to do. A lot of people in the world today, they want that Jesus. This is how they view. They view that Jesus, especially around December, of a little baby in a manger with a glow over him, with animals standing around him, and, and the shepherds, and, and all the glory that goes with baby Jesus. That's what people want in Jesus. For the most part, people don't want the Lord. He doesn't want, they don't want the one who says, you must do it this way, or you must do it that way, or this is how you look at this, or how you, this is what I say you need to do. They don't want that one because it's against what they think or believe. They don't want the one to tell them how to raise their children. 
They don't want the one to tell them how to build their schedules in the weekly manner to put him first. They don't want the, the Lord that, that gives advice, or gives, I mean, advice, he gives the way to have your marriage and who to marry and, and, and those things and how to live your homes and make your homes godly homes. A lot of folks don't want that one. They want that baby Jesus or the God or the Lord that says, oh, you'll be all right. Just be a good person and you'll make it right on in. That's what most folks want. Not these folks in the early church. They had a complete, total devotion to God and His Son. How did they keep it this way? How did they become this way of one heart and soul? It's because the whole group was devoted not just 50 or 1,000, but the whole group. How did they become this way? Devotion to the Lord. Number two, devotion to the truth. <clears throat> From the very beginning, the church was devoting, devoted to following the same standard. They were committed to the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2 and verse 42. They were committed to the way God wanted them to live. You go to the book of John in verse 16. And we're going to read about that doctrine. We're going to read about the truth the inspired word of God. Now in John 16, the Bible says in verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, our Lord says, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit capitalized, spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth or the truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and, and shall sow it, uh, show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said, uh, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now you continue on there and he talks about a little while you shall see me and again shall not see me again. He's preparing his followers, his disciples, his apostles to say you're going to be told what you need to do and what you're told through the Holy Spirit you do. These people had a devotion to the truth that apostles doctrine in Acts 2 and verse 42 and it was inspired by God as we read in John 16. Now, you go over another chapter in the book of John in 17 and verse 17. Our Lord tells them there as he's speaking to them about his apostles, praying for them, 
Sanctify them through what? Thy truth. The doctrine. The word of God. The inspired word of God. Because thy word is truth. You see, in John 17 and verse 17, there's something very specific there. And it's called the gospel. The gospel of Christ. Acts 2 and 42, the doctrine of the apostles. And it was important to these people. And I'm going to tell you, it should be important to us today to hear the truth. Not some watered down message or some, I'm going to tell you what we've done. We've put psychology in the pulpit rather than the doctrine of our Lord. We want to analyze everything through a psychologist's eyes and say you need this here and you need that here and we've got everything that we need in this book that we're reading this morning. But they had a devotion to the Lord, a devotion to the truth. <clears throat> you shall know the truth and the truth of what? Sets you free. You see, it's all about the truth. They were devoted to that. We can ask ourselves this morning as a whole group, are we devoted to the truth? And I think we have to be serious when we ask ourselves that question and know exactly what the truth is. The truth is what's in here. Not what some man thinks. And not even what you think or I think. The truth is here. When you go into the book of 1 Corinthians, in, verse, in chapter 1, the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. You think we have problems today in the Lord's church? This church had a lot of problems. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, the Bible says, as Paul is writing, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined or perfected together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Paul says you got problems. And this is what you got to do to fix it. You're going to have to be devoted to the Lord. You're going to be devoted to the truth. And when you go through <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 5, they had a problem with fornication. A man in the church, probably actually his stepmother, he was having those sexual relations with. Verse 7, they had a, or chapter 7 rather, or 6, they had suing, they were suing one another and going to the courts. In chapter 7, they were marrying, uh, marriaging and divorce problems. In chapters 8 through 10, they were dealing with idolatry. In, verse, in chapter 11, they were dealing with misusing the Lord's Supper. In 12 through 14, 
had a problem with spiritual gifts. And all they had quarrels about them. You see, these people were devoted to the truth in their own eyes. This is what I think. They weren't devoted to the true truth. The original truth, if you will. And Paul had to fix it. You see, we should never, ever be led by our personal opinion. Never. My personal opinion is this. You got a problem when you start putting that on, especially doctrinal matters. You see, these people were quarreling over trivial things. They had a devotion to the truth. They even had trouble in 15 about the resurrection. They had a lot of problems in this church. But they should have been devoted to the truth as the early church was, just as we should be today. They failed in having that one heart and soul Churches that are devoted to the truth avoid allowing trivial differences to divide and distract them from their work. They avoid allowing the devil to get inside a congregation and cause divisions and quarrels about the color of carpet, color of the pew, or the, whether there should be padding on the pew, whether it should be this, or whether there should be that, or we could do this this way or that way. I'll tell you, if it's not doctrinal, it's just, it's just a matter of opinion. But in doctrinal things and salvational issues, we need to go to the Bible and be devoted to the truth. So not only they had devotion to the Lord, they had devotion to the truth. Number three, they had devotion to one another. The early brethren helped one another in times of need. When you go back to the Acts chapter 2, and you read of how they, that they showed this. In Acts chapter 2, in uh, verse 44 through 46. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Notice what they did. So they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They had generosity, didn't they? And they, that group from the original church on the day of Pentecost, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house or at home, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having faith with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved or those that were saved. Now that was a, a common meal from in their houses. But they had fellowship with one another, not only in, in, in a common meal in homes and, and time together, but in the temple and the keeping of the Lord's Supper. The early brethren helped one another. They enjoyed each other's company. 
They were not spiritual hermits, if you will. Some people become spiritual hermits. You say, well, what is a spiritual hermit? You know what a hermit is, right? They stay all to themselves and never go around. People or never come out of their hole, if you will. That's not what God's people are supposed to do. There are still people today with this virus, and believe me, I am not belittling this virus. This virus is a serious thing. And we have to take every precaution that we can. But there are still some people who will not come back to church. Because of it. And I understand when someone is elderly and has those things. I understand that. I'm not saying that. But you know, you see it all the time. If we can get in our cars and go pump gas or go do this or go do that, I'm going to tell you, the the COVID can live on a gas handle just as well as it can live anywhere else. It can live at Walmart. It can live at the ball game. It can live at, at any special family occasion. But there are still some people who will not darken the doors of the church. And people I've never thought would ever do that. They were devoted to one another. We are encouraged in Hebrews 10 to exhort one another and be together. Don't you think that people back in this time, they had diseases, they had things they had to avoid, but does it say anywhere that they separated and and stopped meeting? I'm sure they took precautions. They stayed away from things that were unclean in one sense. They knew that they could get a disease. But he says they still come together in one accord. They met. You see, Barnabas was willing to sell his property in Acts 4. In our scripture reading we read this morning in verse 32 and 37. And I'm going to say this. Many people are like Barnabas in this congregation right here. In this church. And I'm going to tell you, an unselfish spirit among all of us promotes love and unity in a local church. Notice I said unselfish. It promotes unity. They use their material wealth to help the brethren. That generosity contributed to them being one heart and soul. I've seen brethren uh, in this congregation use their own money, their time, and, and their cars to help people here in this congregation and people even in this community. And you see, that's what promotes unity. That's how we stay like the original church. Number four, they had devotion to the lost. Despite facing persecution, 
The Jerusalem church continued to grow every day. Acts 2 and verse 47 is read just a moment ago. And this is a result of the evangelistic work of the brethren. It says they had favor with all the people. They were likable people. Even after being forced out of Jerusalem, the brethren continued to spread the gospel. Acts 8 and verse 4. Eternal and internal problems should never stop God's people from fulfilling the marching orders of our Lord that we got out of Matthew 28 and verse 19. Taking the gospel to the lost, to the world. They had a high level of devotion to the lost. They were busy teaching the lost every day, uh, Acts 8 and 4. They went about preaching. And I'm going to say again, God does not want COVID to stop his work. He doesn't want it to stop inviting people to come to church. He wants his truth to prevail and for us to keep on keeping on and be one heart and soul. Let us this morning to continue to be one heart and soul as the family of God. This morning, are you a part of God's family? If you're not baptized for the mission of your sins and added to the Lord's church, you're the lost we're talking about. When we speak of the wolves who are erring and are out of the fold, sin has separated you from God. And when it separates you from God, it must be repented of privately or publicly and make those things right. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be back to the Lord's church and be part of that one heart and soul again. Maybe the devil has helped you ease away. It's really easy to ease away in times like we're living today. And maybe you need to confess and repent of those sins and let us pray for you and with you. Maybe you need to become a Christian and be baptized for mission of your sins and add to the Lord's church. One heartbeat, one heart and soul, unity in the Lord's church. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.